Good morning. I'm Brother Adam, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, we'll be uh, continuing our journey through John, uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, we'll be uh, finishing out John chapter 4 this morning. Uh, we'll be looking at a man that had a desperate faith, a desperate faith. So turn with me in your Bibles here. There won't be any PowerPoint this morning. My computer has been sick for a while and it died this week. Uh, so there's uh, no PowerPoint, so uh, be sure and turn there or follow along with someone uh, near you or listen up carefully uh, as we read about this man who had a desperate faith. Here you still turning, so I'll give you just a moment. Remind you of our connection card. Uh, it's in the bulletin. You can uh, put that in the offering plate later. It's a way for you as a guest to let us know that you are here. Um, we'd love to send you a gift to let you know how much we appreciate you being here. It's a way for everyone to communicate with us as the pastor's prayer needs that you may have. Uh, and you can fill that out and, and put in the offering plate as it comes by at the end. So John chapter 4, verse 46 so he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So we have an official here. We don't even know his name. We don't know very much about him. We don't even know if he's a Jew or a Gentile. We can uh, speculate that he probably was a wealthy man. He was an official. He had servants. Uh, as an official, he probably uh, enjoyed a prominent place in society. He was likely a man of power. And yet, despite all the power that he might have had, in this moment, he's absolutely powerless to save his dying son. He has nowhere to turn until he hears about this man, Jesus, who, of course, he had likely heard the talk about this man. He was a special man that he could do miraculous things. And so he goes to Jesus and he, he asks him to come down and to heal his son. He tells Jesus, hey, he's at the point of death. And so I want to examine this man's faith, this, this desperate faith. And then this process grows into a saving faith. And let's examine the qualities of this man's faith. First, we'll see that he believed with simplicity. 
He believed with simplicity. When he first initially asked Jesus to come and heal his son, uh, Jesus kind of gives him a bit of a soft rebuke. It's verse 48. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. So think about in context, Jesus has just come from the Samaritans that we've studied the last two weeks. Uh, the Samaritan woman came to Christ. She goes and she tells others uh, about what Christ had done. And then they all come and they hear Christ teach. And many believe on Christ. And we really don't have any record of, of Him sitting out there doing miraculous signs. He, he, did, he did show some miraculous powers when He told the woman uh, some things that He knew about her life. But it appears that just when all these people came, he just simply spoke his teaching about, likely about himself and who he was, and they believed. And so he was kind of already, uh, kind of had an attitude of, of going back home where uh, he, he had previously said, where a prophet is not honored. Basically knowing that I'm going to go back to people that are a lot more hard-hearted than these Samaritans, and, and yet Samaritans were kind of thought of by the Jews to be the heathens, the the people that, that just had corrupt religion and yet they believed with just his teaching and now he was going into a city that he knew or an area that he knew would require more for their belief. That would require more signs and miracles. And so initially that seems confirmed because what happens? A guy walks up to him and says, I need you to come heal my son. And so Jesus gives him a, this slight rebuke of basically saying, man, here it is. Everyone in this area, everyone in my home area that should receive me, they just want signs and miracles. And so we see the man, he just says, in response to this rebuke, he's, he pretty much doesn't even acknowledge the rebuke. He, he continues to show Jesus, the respect that is due Jesus. And he simply says, Sir, come down before my child dies. There's a sincerity here that Jesus is going to honor. This isn't about miracles and signs. This is simply a dad that is in desperate need of someone to save his dying son. Faith is something that should be simplistic. Do you need a faith with bells and whistles, all these signs and wonders? Jesus was and He still is seeking people who will follow Him with a simple faith, not requiring that He always bend to their will, that He always meets their hunger, that He always saves the day. We see this really time and time again when even when Jesus would do a miracle, oftentimes He was very careful about the miracles He chose to do. And when He did a miracle that was kind of widespread and He got a big crowd, you know what He would end up doing? He would end up saying something that they thought was crazy to thin the herd a little bit, to get rid of those that were just seeking to have their feel of His miracles. And Jesus, I think, was and still is seeking people 
who will follow him because of who he is. Instead of all that he might be able to do for them. I remember uh, my preaching professor when he talked about be, be careful of an attractive, of trying to just make an attractive faith. He said, hey, men, if you, you can preach or you can get up in the pulpit and you can invite everybody to watch you kiss a goat. He said, you may get more of a crowd if you advertise, hey, the pastor's going to kiss a goat. That's goofy. That's crazy. That's weird. That'll get a crowd there. And he used to teach us, he said, but men, whatever you have to do to attract the crowd is exactly what you're going to have to do to keep the crowd. I think that's, that's good wisdom. If it's kissing a goat today, it's going to have to be something else later to try to keep them interested. And Jesus want, wanted and wanted people that were not just wanted a fancy faith, they wanted that, 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 that had all the bells and whistles of miracles and signs, but a simple faith that just believed Him. Because you know what? Just as soon as, 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 as Jesus saves the day, as soon as God does exactly what you need Him to do, you know the next time His sovereign plan and your plan may part ways, and then what are you going to do? He's no longer that God who saves the day. He's no longer the Jesus that bends to my will and multiplies the fish or heals, uh, heals somebody I love. He's the God now that does what He wants. And then we walk away from the faith in that moment. So let's make sure that like this man, we keep a simple faith. It's just, it's just focused on Christ. And I think Jesus sees that in this man, that it's more... He's more sincere than just wanting to see a miracle. He's wanting desperately as a father to see his son live. So he, has a, 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 he believed in simplicity. Secondly, he believed Jesus' words. He believed in the words of Jesus. It says, The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Initially, we see that the official felt that Jesus' presence was needed to heal his son. His desire was that Jesus come and visit his son. He likely felt like, okay, Jesus needs to come. He's got to see my son to heal him. He's, maybe he needs to touch him and, and pray over him to, to heal him. Though he had a desperate faith, he was still underestimating the power of Christ. More, more specifically, he was underestimating the power of that was invoked through the simple words of Christ. Because this is what Jesus says to him. Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So, so Jesus simply says, hey, it's done. I don't have to go. I don't have to go visit your son. I don't have to touch your son. I don't, don't have to even know what your son looks like. It's done. He is going to live. This is powerful. This, this desperate man hears the words of Christ concerning his son and he believes that they're enough. So many people believe that the word of God is not enough. 
They want a sign. They say if Jesus would actually come down and maybe show Himself to me, then I would believe. If maybe Jesus would do this miraculous healing that I want Him to do, then maybe I would believe. But this man simply believes the words and the words alone. The teaching of Scripture seems to be that if the Word of God is is not enough, then nothing is enough. Is that not what we see in the the teaching of uh, the rich man and Lazarus? Right? What happens with, with that is the rich man, okay, he's... He's sitting pretty, right? He's got everything he needs. He's got a big table full of food. And then you have Lazarus, who is over there just longing for a crumb to fall from the rich man's table so that he can just have a crumb. And then they die. And they find themselves in much different circumstances, right? For, the, for Lazarus raises, uh, wakes up in Abraham's bosom. He's in paradise. He's in... He's in this wonderful place Lazarus is. He's just enjoying the great benefits of of paradise that God has had prepared. And then the rich man, he lifts up his eyes from hell in absolute torment. So much torment that all he asks is, hey, can you send Lazarus just to simply dip his finger in some water and just put it on my tongue? Can you imagine being in that much torment? And Abraham says to him, no, that's not what's going to happen. That can't happen. We can't can't go to you. There's a a great chasm between us. And, And here's what the man says next. He says, then I beg you, Father, to send him, talking about Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So he, he's like, I've got brothers, and I don't want them to be here. I don't want them to experience what I'm experiencing. So send Lazarus to go tell them. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear from them. What does that mean? What he's saying is, what Abraham is saying is, they have the Old Testament. They have Moses and the prophets in their writings. Let them listen to the words of God. They have the words of God. And he said in verse 30, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So what the, what, what the rich man is saying is, No. The words of God are not enough. The words of God is not enough. But if someone were to come from the dead, then that would be enough to make them believe. And then Abraham says to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be convinced if someone would rise from the dead. I mean, think about that for a moment. Think about what that is saying of the sufficiency of Scripture, of the sufficiency of the words of God. He is saying that 
if they won't believe the Bible, they won't believe a man that rose from the dead. I mean, think about that. Think about, okay, put this scenario. Uncle Bob has passed away. Uncle Bob knew a lot of heathens. He knew a lot of people. He knew a lot of heathens. Okay, and they're all going to be at his funeral. Family, friends, just a place full of heathens. And, and you're trying to decide how are we going to help people at, at Uncle Bob's funeral come to Christ? How are we going to help them come to Christ? And, and the, the funeral director, or whoever's planning the funeral, you go to them and say, hey, we want to see people saved at Uncle Bob's funeral. And the person in charge said, okay, we got two options. We can either have a faithful man of God stand up and proclaim the Word of God and, and proclaim the Gospel through the Word and preaching. Or, we can have Uncle Bob set up in the casket and tell him that it's true. I mean, really, what would you pick? What do you think would, what would you initially think would be more effective? You would say, hey, bring on, brother, uh, bring on Uncle Bob springing up from the casket and telling his heathen friends and family that the gospel's real. And yet what we see here is through the testimony of Scripture that if they will not believe the Word of God, they will not believe a man that rises from the dead to tell them. That's powerful. That is a powerful proclamation of the sufficiency of God's Word. Maybe it was his desperation. Maybe he left. Uh, maybe he felt he had no choice, but this man believed the words of Jesus and, and headed home. The, Christ, uh, the words of Christ were sufficient for him. Are the words of Christ sufficient for us? Do we long for more? Do we long for some physical visit from him? Do we long for some miracle with no other explanation? Or do we simply believe the words of God? Jesus simply says, go. And He's going to live and the man goes in obedience. Do we move into obedience at the words of Christ? When, when He says, do this, do we believe the words of God and do that? And when He says, don't do this, do we believe the words of God and don't, and refrain from doing that. It's as simple as that. Do we truly believe the words that God has spoken? They are sufficient, folks. They are powerful and they are good. And they are enough. Let us be people with a faith that is based upon the Word of God. And we see that He believed unto, unto salvation says, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed. And he himself believed. But didn't he already believe? Earlier it already says that he believed Jesus. And now it's saying that he believed. But what he had previously done, what he had previously believed, was a very narrow scope in just the fact that Jesus could save his son. 
It was narrow scope. In that particular, he believed that Christ could give that particular benefit to his son. That's what he believed. But now his belief was expanding from not just what Jesus could do, but who Jesus was. This is a belief of conversion. Yes, it was sparked by what he did for his son. But now it was undeniable that this man is who he says he is. He believed on him as the son of God. There are many who merely believe in the benefits of Christ. They just merely believe in the temporal benefits. They, they like Christ. We have a lot of this in the South. Hey, I like Christ. He's, he's okay with me. Okay, my grandmother and my mom and dad, they all love Christ. And, and you know what? I had an experience back at camp, and, and man, I asked Christ into my heart. And uh, hey, he's good with me. And even and, and, and sometimes when, when life gets hard, uh, some people, they, they'll, they'll actually run back and they'll pray to Christ and they'll, they'll want Him. When times get hard, they want the things that He can offer and they certainly want heaven at the end. But I would pour forth to you that, that those, without any real continuing relationship with Christ, only have this surface level belief and in, in, in maybe an experience that they once had, or maybe just a belief, hey, he'll be there when I need him, type of I like him. But the greatest benefits that Christ offers are the benefits that he offers through his gospel. And that only comes through a belief in him. An all-encompassing belief in the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. A, a belief that just accepts all of Christ. Not just one little instance. Just one little aspect. It's all-encompassing. This official believed in Christ's benefits, but then he believed in Christ himself. We too need to be careful and to examine our faith that it's not just some surface level belief in, in maybe a benefit He once gave us or that we hope that He'll give us. But that we have a faith in Him that saves us from our sins. And lastly, we see that He believed with a faith, uh, with a faith that was worth sharing says here, the Father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed, but it didn't stop there. It says, and all his household. So immediately following his conversion, he goes to the people that mean the most to him. His own household. We don't know, was that just his family? Immediate family? Was that his servants that he had? Uh, likely it was probably everybody. He, he, he gathered everybody up and he shared with them what had happened. He, sh he shared with them what he had come to realize about Jesus Christ. And his household believed. Are we seeing a pattern here? 
Last week with the Samaritan woman, she comes to Christ. What does she do? She immediately, immediately goes and makes disciples. Begins making disciples and telling people, hey, you need to come see this man. And here in this official, we have the exact same thing. He comes to Christ and he immediately goes to his household. And he tells them, hey, let me tell you about Christ. And they all believe. This official had a desperate faith that grew into a saving faith. It was simple. He believed the words of Christ and it brought not only healing to his son, but it brought salvation to himself and his entire household. Examine your faith this morning. Is it merely based upon some good feelings about Christ or some obscure experience you had with Christ once? Or is it an all-encompassing faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ? We see in this man, an official, that he longed to love his son. He longed to love others. And in attempting to love his son, he learns to love God. And in loving God, he goes and he makes disciples y'all that's what our faith should do to us our faith should help us to love others our faith should help us to love god and our faith should cause us to go and to make disciples let us all have that kind of simple and obedient faith i'm going to ask our musicians to come and uh, as you stand Respond however God has spoken to you uh, through the testimony of the official and his desperate faith that turned into a saving faith. Respond to God's word this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the officials, for the official that shows us what faith looks like and, and shows us how faith grows. And God, I pray that all of us would be able to be confident that we have all believed, that we have trusted you with a saving faith, with a faith that goes beyond just an instance or two, but goes to the heart of Christ. God, help us to trust in all of Christ and all that he's done for us. God, we pray that you would move in our hearts this morning. 